Seems like a cold is getting around everywhere right now, so hopefully, you know, we can all pray for that, that ourselves and our family members and our friends uh, do not get sick. And if they do get sick, hopefully it's not at a busy time in their lives, right? Because we know that getting sick, you know, can be very, uh, very disastrous for us if it happens, you know, right before a major test or right before a major essay is due. And, you know, hopefully we are all healthy and we can hopefully focus on getting better, right? I hear some coughs out in the, uh, out in the audience. So, yeah, why don't we just bow our heads, close our eyes, and uh, pray right now for uh, ourselves, for our friends, and our family, and for the sermon. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, you are the giver of health. Father, I pray that you protect us, that you continually uh, work your spirit in us, both for our spiritual good, but also for our physical good. God, Father, uh, I pray that you continually uh, protect those who are not sick. I pray that you uh, give us health, and I pray that you continue uh, to open up our eyes so that we may be able to see you even when, you know, we may be sick with something. Lord, Father, I thank you, and I pray for the congregation here for this time that we're able to really get to know you better, get to know your love and your grace and your peace better, oh God. I thank you for your son, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today's sermon is going to be on finding peace in Christ, right? So finding peace is a very big thing in our culture, at least partly in, if you guys know what hustle culture is. A hustle culture is a culture where we're constantly moving towards the next goal. But a major thing that I've seen come up is that they realize that, oh, you can't constantly hustle all the time. You can't always constantly be making money all the time. You can't always be producing unless you're focused on yourself. That's what they say, right? So you want to find peace. Oh, this should be working. Oh. Well, uh, next slide, please. So we're always constantly working, but you can get overworked. You can become tired. You can become burnt out. So you want to find some inner peace for yourself. That's why it's so wonderful. It's such a great commodity, according to them, to find this peace so that you're able to continue working more, right? So if we're able to find peace, we'll have a cycle of working hard and then being at peace with working hard so that we can continue to do this. Uh, previous slide, please. So one of the <laughs> whoops. So one of the major things that they say, right? Peace is really important, but nobody can bring you peace but yourself, right? That's from Ralph Waldo Emerson. Another one is, uh, you know you've made the right decision when there is peace in your heart. Now, these seem like really good quotes. These seem like things that our culture takes as truisms, as things that you, know, you can't really prove, but you know, most people believe in this. But why, right? Why should we believe that you know, nobody can bring us peace? but ourselves, and why should we believe that, you know, once we're at peace in our heart, that's the right decision, that's the true decision. Is it really the true decision? Is it really the right decision to have made? All right, so next slide, please. Some of the issues with finding inner peace within yourself is that a lot of times we trick ourselves, we self-deceive ourselves into believing we're doing the right thing. Like, how many times have we said to ourselves, like, oh, you know, I don't care if I become, you know, I, I fail at this homework assignment. I don't care if I fail this test or 
I don't care if I don't meet your expectations because I'm at peace with myself, right? Everything's on fire, but just like that dog in that meme, he's saying like, oh, this is all fine. This is all great, but is it really fine? You know, this, that dog's gonna die. He's, he has to get out of there or, you know, maybe he'll die from asphyxiation because there's no more oxygen in the room before the, the fire takes him away, right? We don't wanna be like that. We don't want the whole world or our world to be set on fire, to be a living hell and, and to say like, oh, this is okay, right? This is all right. No, it's not all right because a lot of times this type of inner peace saying that, oh, everything's gonna be okay because it's right in my heart is usually a way just to avoid anxiety or worry. A lot of times we have a real major issue. Maybe it's a, a homework assignment that's passed due. Maybe it's a, a test that we're worried about. Maybe it's a conversation that you need to have with your friend or with your parent, but it's gonna be uncomfortable. It's going to be something that will disturb the peace that you're feeling right now. So in order to keep the peace, you're just not gonna think about it. You're just gonna avoid it. You're just gonna look away from it. Like go turn to something like, I don't know, video games or browsing things online or online shopping, all sorts of things that we do in order to avoid these things. And we say, we like video games. We like buying things online. We like you know, surfing memes and looking at social media because it brings us peace. But this type of peace is not true peace because we're still deeply troubled within our hearts. We're just avoiding the problems that we face in life, right? This generation, this culture, it is so easy to avoid your problems. It's so easy to look away and turn away and find something new to do because there's so many things to do. There's so many things that will sap your attention. But if we are not focusing our attention on the things that matter most to us, then how can we truly say that we're at peace with ourselves, right? We're being delusional, we're deceiving ourselves. That's one of the major issues that I have with this. Let's try something harder, right? So the next slide, please. This is a really good, a deeper quote, right? Inner peace doesn't come from getting what we want, right? So it's avoiding that consumerist culture, but from remembering who we are. Ooh, maybe this one is true. Maybe this quote is closer to the truth of finding what true peace is, right? It's not coming from like, oh, getting the things that we want, right? Like we said before but maybe it's remembering who we are. But who, but who are we, right? Uh, next slide, please. A lot of the times, you know, we're different people around different groups. With one friend group, you know, you're funny and you're, you're energetic. With another group, you're intelligent, you're smart. And with another friend group, you know, you're spiritual and you're religious. Like, who is the real me? Who am I really trying to remember to be a part of again? What group am I part of? That's how we have to ask ourselves. If peace is connected to this deeper meaning of ourselves, who am I? Who am I? Right? There are a lot of different scenarios where you need to be a different person. Right? To be at a party is one thing. To be at a funeral or a memorial, that's another. So what is it? What is the one thing that is consistent through our entire lives that we want? to know that is ourselves. That one thing, you know, whether it is, you know, at a memorial, whether it is at a party, whether it is at with my family, with my friends, or with my enemies, what is this one thing that ties it all together that we can have find peace, that we can find ourselves in. Right? So the next slide. Another definition of peace is, you know, there's no conflict between other people. Right? Maybe we can be at peace 
with ourselves, all of ourselves, but what about the rest of the world? When the rest of the world is trying to have conflict with us, right? This quote also is a great quote, but I think it falls short, right? There can be no peace without justice and respect for human rights. Next slide. So this quote really talks about the ethics that is tied with creating a peaceful environment, right? A peaceful environment is one where people are not arguing, people are not fighting, people are loving and caring and seeking justice with one another. However, this quote falls short because you know, if people can't get together, if people can't you know, be good to one another, if people can't love one another, then is there really any possibility that we can ha have peace? Like it's really easy to say that, oh, in order to have peace, we just need, everyone here just needs to love each other. But can we really do that? In every single conversation, every single thing that we do, right? There has to be something bigger than this. And how do we define things like justice? How do we define things like human rights? When different people disagree with us, you know, that this is a human right, that this is justice, when people don't see the same ethics as we do, what can we do? What can we do? So here are the like three major issues with peace. However, you know, the peace, yeah, good. <laughs> Next slide. Good. Yeah, the, the peace that comes from Christ is able to answer all these three different issues. All three of these different issues, right? The peace of Jesus guides us to see the truth, right? Jesus says that he is the way. He is the door. He is the way to heaven, the way to the Father. He lives his life in a way that we can see the truth, that we can see the truth. This is really important because sometimes when we say, oh, I want to see what the truth is, and we look inside, we look into our heart, we look at our feelings, but like we said before, we're constantly deceiving ourselves. Things that look really rational and great to us is like, hey, you know, instead of doing my, you know, the things that I need to do, my chores right now, I'm just gonna look and browse Instagram for like three hours, four hours. Or maybe go on Reddit for three or four hours. That's what I'm gonna do. It's like if we had other people in our lives look at us and say, hey man, like that's not good. Like that's not really creating peace within your life. You know, we need an example in our lives. That's just not just ourselves, right? Because our hearts are self-deceiving. We need to see what the truth is, right? The second part is that it is applicable to every second of our entire life and every second beyond, right? The peace that Christ gives to you, right? It's not just something that you feel at church. It's not just something that you feel at a religious experience, but something that you can embody and be a part of, be together with in Christ for your entire life and beyond. That means that the peace that comes to you is able to be given out to the rest of the world. And that is what Jesus is doing for you. So it goes beyond that second quote, right? That is only limited you know, to ourselves, to this current moment. It gives us a new identity in which we can embody and remember and be a part of, right? So it's like, it's like when you become part of a new team at school, right? You're part of a, I don't know, math team, and then you're like, hey, I'm gonna go out on a limb and be, join the dance team. Now you're hanging out with all the dance people, right? And now, you know, it's like, hey, this whole new world just opened up to me. But this, you know, math team and dance team, that's only temporary. That's only for, you know, one semester, two semesters, maybe just for your high school career, but being a Christian, being part with Christ is forever, is eternal. Christ continues to love you and give you peace throughout all of this. Finally, is able to overcome just injustice. Right? When Christ is on the cross, when Christ is being persecuted, he 
he says he, he's able to forgive those who persecute him. They're able to continually renew these different relationships, transform people, right? Even when others are unjust, even when others disagree with Christ, he is able to bring them close to him. It is resilient. Right? We want to be resilient peacemakers. People are always constantly looking towards the greater good in every conversation. It is not relying on external realities. Sometimes in life, you know, we only really feel at peace when good things are going on, right? When we have good grades, when we feel good about ourselves, when we're healthy, when, you know, it seems like we're on top of our class, on top of our game, right? Then we're at peace. But when those things fall apart, that, that part of life is very small, that we feel on top of things. Majority of life, right, is not the mountaintop. It's going up the mountain, going down the mountain, right? But Christ tells us that no matter what part of the mountain that we call life is, you know, we're always together with him. We're always one with him. There's nothing else that can steal our peace away. There's nothing else that can take it away from us. We're joined and we're united. So now we have a better understanding of what peace is. Now we have a better understanding of what Christ means when he says that he wants to give us peace. But how can we get this peace? How can we get this peace? And that's what our passage is going to look at today, right? John chapter 16, 25 to 33. This entire passage really is a whole summary from John chapter 13 to the rest of 16, right? Jesus washes his disciples' feet in John 13, and then he just starts talking. He starts talking for four chapters, and this whole conversation is recorded by, by John. And Jesus continually talks about, you know, how can we find peace? How can we be one with Christ, right? Not to be self-deceived, not to be all alone by ourselves, not to be, you know, focused just on external things, right? And these three major themes comes up from uh, 13 to 16, which is all condensed into these eight passages, right? Jesus tells us that peace comes from love. Peace comes from faith. And finally, peace comes from hope. All of these are necessary to, you know, obtain, to see, to really be a part of the peace that Jesus is going to give us. So what, what does this all mean? Uh, next slide. Why don't we go look at the passage first? So verse 25 through 28, I'm just going to read it really quickly for us. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. Jesus is saying, like, you know, the whole previous, you know, four chapters or three chapters, he was saying, like, all of these things, all of these parables, all of these lessons, you know, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You know, all of these things, you know, I've said to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. So Jesus is summarizing his ministry, right? 
God has sent me, right? I told you all these things, you know, kind of in parables, kind of in mysteries, like not really giving you the truth, but I'm going away soon. So I'm just going to tell you these things, you know, plain and simple, right? Plain and simple. I am from God. But right now, right, after this speech, after this prayer that we're, after this meal, I'm going away back to the Father, right? The disciples at this point, they don't really know what that means, but Jesus knows what this is going to mean. Jesus knows that he is going to be persecuted, he's going to be prosecuted, and then judged unfairly to be placed upon the cross to die for our sins. But he also knows that he's going to resurrect, that he's able to overcome death because he is one with God. Right? But he tells them, right? he's preparing them for this time that he's going to disappear. And how does he, how does he prepare them? Right, he tells them, like, in that day, right, after I have died, after I have resurrected, you will no longer need to ask, you know, in my name. You don't have to come to me and then go to God and say, like, oh, you know, uh, God, can, you know, Jesus help me with something? You know, th there's a deeper connection there, right? Jesus is our mediator to God. But what he's trying to say is that you don't need my physical form here in order to connect to God anymore. Right? God will be giving you a new friend, a new Holy Spirit that will, God will be indwelling within you. Right? That's last week we were talking about that. Right? So he also tells them that God loves them. Right? God cares about them. And the reason why is because you've loved me. I have come from God, but I'm, I'm going to be leaving. So next slide. So the peace that comes from love, right? this peace that he's promising them, that he's preparing them for his death, right? He's trying to say that, you know, this type of love is phileo and not agape, right? So we've heard of agape love before, some of you, you know, maybe you've been here for a while. Agape is like the universal love. Like when we say, like, God for so love the world, it's agape, right? No matter who you are, no matter if you're a sinner, non-believer, you're a Christian, there's God, and he loves you because he's created you, right? He cares about you in this loving way. But phileo is a different type of love. It's a brotherly love. So if anyone knows, you know, what that picture is, right, where is that? It's in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. So phileo, right, Philadelphia, those two things are from the same uh, root word, right? So Jesus is saying, like, you know, you have loved me. Phileo, you have been my friend. You know, you've cared for him. You've been there when, you know, Jesus needed you. Right? Think of a good friend. Think of your best friend, someone that's your you know, ride or die or someone that you really deeply care about, that you want. Every time they enter the room, you see them, you're like, hey, you want to go say hi. Right? You want to be with them. And that's what God is saying to you. God wants to be with you. God wants to be your friend. God cares about you. He's interested in you. Right? God is interested in you. Every time you enter into the room, God is there. He wants to be with you because you want to be with God, right? It's a special type of love that's a closer connection, right? God does not have phileo for the rest of the world, right? For, for other people, you know, that don't know God or don't care about him, who don't have the same love, right? God still loves them, but not in this special way, not in this peculiar way. So this type of peace, you know, it's a comfortableness, but it's also a tenderness, right? You can say anything to God and God will listen. And God can say anything to you, and you will also listen. That's what Jesus is saying. That's the special type of relationship that we have with God. 
when we become Christians, when we believe in Christ. And so next slide. So that's the peace that comes from God, uh, from, from love that God gives to us. And the, the other verses that you know, highlight of faith and also hope, right, come in verses 29 to 33. Uh, his disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. What is Jesus saying here? He's reminding them once again, that he is going to be leaving, that, you know, even if, you know, the disciples are actually first things first, right? The disciples say, like, oh, yep, now you're speaking plainly to me. Now we believe, right? You've explained it, like, teacher, right? Wow, now you really showed, like, the math equation. We believe, right? Yeah, but Jesus is saying, it's like, do you now believe? You've been with me for three years. You've done so much ministry together, but, you know, your faith is still so small, right? There will be a... The hour is coming. Indeed, it has now come, which means like the time has already been set. Things are already set into motion, right? The end game is already upon us, but your faith is still small, my disciples, right? When the time comes, when I'm struck and down, you will all also be scattered, right? This doesn't mean that their faith is meaningless, right? It just means that their faith is small. It just means that their faith is small. Jesus gives them hope to overcome this world, but he, he tells them not to fear, right? Even in this world, with all of the tribulation, with all the things that they're going to fear, he tells them to take heart because he has overcome the world. He bases it on this, right? Even if your faith is so small, right? You don't have to worry because your faith is in the right thing, right? Because Christ has overcome this. Christ is going to get you through this as well. Next slide. So the peace, oh, whoops, <laughs> Peace that comes from faith. Right, this comes from the two verses that we read previously. Uh, verse 27, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me, right? We talked about that. And have believed that I came from God, right? That word believed is really important. Even if, you know, somebody loves you and you love them, but at some points you don't believe that they, you love them or you don't believe that they love you. That can be a very tricky situation. Having faith is a commitment, right? Having faith in someone is being committed to them, right? When the disciples say, now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you, this is why we believe that you came from God, right? It's one or the other. Either you believe that Jesus is God and he's from God or you don't believe. You think he's a liar, right? If you don't believe something, then you must necessarily believe in the opposite of that one thing. So their faith, right, is giving them peace. It is working within them, right? This thing that we call belief, right, it's not just like we believe in scientific fact or, you know, that my jacket is like some navy blue. <laughs> I was like, is it black? Is it navy blue? Like, who knows? Uh, so it's not, it's not that. It's not looking at just facts, even though we might think that that's what the disciples are talking about in verse 30. 
no. Like this faith is more deep rooted, right? It's able to transform us. It's able to take that one person, right, who's unable, unwilling to commit and to push them to the next level, right? If they believe something is really true, then they're going to act upon that belief. Right, so next slide. Right now, we see that the disciples, you know, their faith is still small, but Christ is committed to them. Christ has a plan for them. Christ is not going to give up on them. And likewise, Christ is not going to give up on you. Christ has a plan for your life. God understands you, and he wants to give you his peace. Right? They still don't know that Jesus is going to die and resurrect, but after all of this happens in John chapter 20, verse 19, you know, after Jesus resurrects, he goes to Mary Magdalene, and then he goes to the disciples afterwards. And there we read that on the evening of that day, on the day of Christ's resurrection, you know, the doors were being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Right? So you see, on the third day, if they really understood that Jesus was coming back, then they would have prepared the, do the doors to be open. But they locked the doors, right? Because they were afraid of the Jews coming in and persecuting them and to take them and to execute them as well for being followers of Christ. But Jesus comes in, right? And he stood among them and he says, the first thing he says to them is, peace be with you. Peace be with you. He says it twice in these verses and once again a third time at the end of the chapter. Peace be with you. Right? Those words have a great impact on their lives, right? Because they're still like, they see Jesus, they don't know what to do. They're afraid that the Jews will come in any, time, uh, any second now and then maybe like, they crucify Christ again and then this time they're going to crucify all the disciples. Like, oh, who's this faker? Right? They're so stuck in fear. A lot of times in our lives, we are so stuck in fear. You know, fear of what our friends might say, fear of, you know, opinions of our parents, fear of the, the rest of the culture, right? We might not tangibly say, like, oh, we're, like, scared and we're deeply afraid, but we're worried, right? If we don't do everything right, if people are coming against us, we're scared. We're worried. Our hearts become disturbed. Our thoughts become uh, full of darkness, full of fear. But Christ comes in like a light into our hearts, into our lives. He says, peace be with you. Right? It's a thing that eradicates fear. It's a thing that transforms our fear into peace. And not only does Jesus say, peace be with you, but he tells them that as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. He's inviting them into a journey. Remember what I said? That you know, faith is not just like understanding something to be true, but it's requiring a commitment Right now, right, Jesus is inviting his disciples onto an adventure to be sent out, to go on their own, to go and conquer the world, right? Not in a way with swords, not in a way with, with armor or with cannons or with things to conquer, but with love, right? Love, faith, and peace, all of these things will be able to transform the rest of the human race. That's what Jesus is sending us out into. So when Christ gives us his peace, when Christ gives us faith, we're called into the adventure to join him in transforming yourself, transforming your families, your friends, and the rest of this world for good. Right? So next slide. Final one, right? Peace that comes from hope. You know, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Right? In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. 
You know, our hope is not within us. That's what Jesus says. If you want to receive that peace that is in Christ, you have to be one with Christ. It is not something that you can study for. It's not something that you can be fully, you know, if you understand it, then you'll get it. It's not one of those things, right? It requires commitment. It requires love. It requires being in Christ, right? Following his commandments, knowing that he is God, believing all these things, but also taking heart, meaning to have courage and to have hope that Jesus, all these things that he has said will come true, right? Sometimes, you know, I remember first time I was taking the SAT. I was so worried. I was like, oh man, if I get like 2,400, or back then that was the perfect score. If I got a perfect, you know, even if I did terribly in school, I'm gonna get into any school that I want. You know, that's how the SAT teachers taught me at the time. It's like, hey, you know, you pay us more money, you learn more things, like, hey, get a good score on this test, and all your hopes and your dreams will come true. And that was my hope. But all that hope, you know, didn't give me any courage because all it did was making me nervous, right? This hope, right, is different from the hope that we put into material things because it gives us courage, right? Because it gives us a reason to fight. It gives us a reason to hope. When we look around us and we see so many people all around our city who are not at peace, who do not have the hope of Jesus Christ, doesn't that want to make your heart cry? It certainly does make mine. Right? When I see the people stuck you know, in their own ways, unable to overcome their own issues, right? I want to give them peace. I tell them, hey, you, know, you can live a life filled with love, hope, and peace, right? and with faith. Don't you want that? And they say, you know, if I, all of us, I think, would want that. But the only issue is that they're too tied to their sins. Right? When we're too tied to these different hopes, like these glimmering lights that the world shares out to us, then we're not able to have the courage to abandon that to come to Christ. A lot of times, that's what happens in our lives. The thing that stops us from believing in Christ is it's not always like, you know, a, an apologetic statement, a thing that we don't understand, like, hey, you know, Jesus was, you know, a faker. It's like, oh, no, my faith is all gone. No, that's not what happens. What really happens is that our love towards God gets turned to another direction. Our faith towards Jesus gets turned towards another direction. Our hope that we have in Jesus gets turned towards another direction. Right? But if you're a true believer in Christ, all of these things are secured for you by Christ. Right? So that's why we need to deliver these goods. All of our hope, all of our love, all of our faith needs to be delivered to Christ in order for him to encourage us, to give us that courage to face the world with all of its temptations, with all of its violence, with all of its hatred, and to overcome it. Right? Because that's what Jesus says. But take heart, I have overcome the world, even when they come for me, even when they put me on the cross and they shed my blood and the earth cries out. You know, the earth is crying, creating earthquakes when the blood of its creator splattered on her. Even when that happens, I will be able to forgive. I will be able to overcome. None of this peace is reliant on external Uh, external realities, is able to transform even the worst of sinners, is even able to save the people whom we call our enemies, is able to save even those who spill the blood 
of our Lord and Savior. And that is the power of this hope, right? And when we look into that journey, when we look into that life, how much better can our world be when we're all practicing you know, these different things, when we all have love for one another, when we all have faith in something greater and bigger than us, when we all have hope that the things that are per, uh, pros, per, persecuting us right now, the things that are hurting us right now are only temporary. All of these things were able to transcend you know, our bodily hopes and our, the things that are weighing us down. So for the main idea, next slide please. When it seems like all hope is lost, when it seems like your savior is about to be crucified, if we believe and choose to love Jesus, we will be given peace from God. That will be given. That is how you obtain the peace that is in Jesus. And when all these things, when we see our own lives, you know, it's not just saying like, oh, well, my plan A is not going well. You know, I'm not going to be able to. You know, this was a thing that my mom always said about me. She said, the only reason why you're a Christian is because you're not good at anything else. Right? You're not good at being an engineer. You're not good at being a doctor. So you choose to be a Christian. And that's, that's not true. Right? Christianity should not be your plan B. Right? It should always be your plan A. When we see that being a doctor, being a lawyer, being an engineer, I'm like, that doesn't, like, sure, I get money, but what about the rest of my life? What about the lives of my friends, my family? What about the lives of my children? Sure, an engineer, engineering degree is great. It's wonderful. It can solve a lot of problems. But the biggest problem within ourselves and within the world is this lack of connection with God, this lack of peace that comes from being divorced from Jesus Christ. Right, so when we believe and we choose to love Jesus, that when we want him to be our plan A, that when we want God to lead our lives, to change our wills, to transform us, we will be given this peace from God. And God is not like he's holding it away from us. He's like, uh-uh, you have to do this for me. That's not what he's saying. Right, all of this is connected. It is deeply entangled. Like You cannot have peace unless you have love, faith, and hope. Right? You cannot, even if you were to somehow trick God into giving you peace, it's like, haha, I never actually had faith in you at first. It's like, that doesn't make any sense, right? This, the thing is, is that all these things are deeply connected. You cannot have one without the other, right? And this is the gift that God gives to us. Right? It's supernatural. Our hearts should desire this thing. Finally, application, right? So if we believe in Jesus, and receive the free gift of grace from God. Right? This is the one thing that we should be doing. If we desire this peace, if we desire this thing that will help us see who we truly are, that is not just being self-deceived by ourselves or by the rest of the world or by the market, then we need Christ. We need the gospel to transform us. Likewise, if you guys are already Christian, congratulations, God has given you that peace. Be more and more like that peacemaker that Christ is. If you're not already seeking faith, hope, and love, continue to grow in that. If you call yourself a Christian, go and see the scriptures. Go and look, you know, previously, how can I love the world more? How can I love others more? How can I love God more? How can I put my faith more in God? How can I put more of my hopes in God and not on the world, right? So we want to be like Christ, right? Christ is called the Prince of Peace. We should be, you know, not the Prince of Peace, but maybe helpers to the Prince of Peace, right? Assistant manager, to the Prince of Peace or something. You know, we should all be peacemakers in our lives, right? Not quarrelsome, but people who are gentle, who are tender for the rest of our lives, even when people hurt us, 
even when they persecute us. We're able to go out with a smile, go out and say, hey, how are you doing? I still care about you. Even all these things, you know, you try to hurt me. You know, I believe that Christ shed his blood for you. And you know, I'm willing, you know, God loves you and so do I. And I'm willing to give more than you can ever see that other people will give, right? Because my God is a gracious giver. He's a gift giver. Right? Do not fear the things to come. You know, place your trust in God. When your life is falling apart, when it seems like, you know, you have nothing to give. And when you say to yourself, you know, how can I give things, you know, Derek? Because, you know, I was never given anything in my life. How can I give the things that were never given to me? Things like love, things like faith, things like peace. You know, people in the church, they don't give me any love. People in the world, they don't give me any love. You know, how can I possibly be a love giver? Like, I want you to look and be honest with yourself, right? Cherish the small seeds of love that Christ has given you. Because it's not true. Christ gives his life for you. God gives his blood for you. You just have to trust and believe that this is true, right? And that will help you transform yourself, right? Placing your trust in God, even when your life seems, at this point, full of nothing, full of things that are just disappointments or sad realities, you know, Christ is able to transcend that. Because, you know, what, what is the worst story in the world? Is that the Son of God comes into this world in order to give peace, and instead of giving us peace, right, we kill him. Instead of receiving that peace, we kill the Son of God, who is perfect and beautiful and loves us all, right? And instead of resurrecting, Christ dies, not able to give us that peace. That would be the saddest story in the entire world, right? We'd be so ashamed of ourselves, and so filled with despair and loss of hope, but that's not it, right? Even when we kill God, even when we have committed the worst crime possible, Christ resurrects, and he can resurrect you, right? When we die, we will be with him, with our God and with our Savior in heaven. Finally, truly, you know, with all this all-encompassing peace and all this encompassing love. So that's what we want to do, right? In our dark times, we just remember that Christ is resurrected, right? Christ has already overcome all these fears. So what do I have to fear? All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time that we're able to get to know you better, that we're able to see your peace and to see it really happening uh, within this world, but also in scripture. Father, I pray that you continue working in our hearts, that you give us peace, that you uh, give us joy, and we're able to love you more and more, just like you loved us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.